How many of you like duct tape jokes? Duct, duct tape, I mean, it, I mean that's got to be like one of the no, number one most incredible inventions in all time. You know, and I was thinking about that. I actually heard somebody make this statement. They said, if you can't fix it with duct tape, you just need more duct tape. <laughs> and so I was beginning to think about that. I thought about uh, one of the episodes of, of course, they did several, but I used to love to watch the show Mythbusters. To me, it was just cool, some of the stuff they would do. And so they did this deal where, you know, what if you're stranded? And so they could get, they could just carry with them what they could bring in a backpack. And they, they ended up, they didn't know exactly what all the details were, but they ended up on this island <coughs> they had to get off of. But they were smart enough that they packed a whole bunch of duct tape. And I want you to see this picture. They actually used wood and duct tape to build a pontoon boat to get off the island. And it floated. It worked. There's something about duct tape. I also saw this sign when I was thinking about that uh, uh, on a bridge repair crew, and I thought this was pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Duct tape, I mean, it's an incredible thing. How many of you would admit that you've used duct tape at some time to kind of rig something together for a period of time? I mean, it's incredible. But I want you to know some, notice something, because last week we started this series called Speak Life, and we talked about Ezekiel and his vision in, in Ezekiel chapter 37, where God took him and he showed him this valley of dry bones. And last week we ended where he began to prophesy over the bones as the Lord commanded him. And, and, and I thought about that. You know, you notice that God did look to Ezekiel and said, hey... Ezekiel, look at these dry bones. God asked him the question, can these bones live? He didn't say, Ezekiel, how much duct tape do you need to put these bones back together? Can these bones live? That's an incredible question. As I mentioned last week, it's... When God asks a question, it's not that he needs the information. He asks the question to get our attention, to get us to stop and evaluate where we're at, what's going on, and how we need to respond. How many know that sometimes we need that jolt of reality? So this morning, before we go on to anything else, I want you to take a moment, and I want you to kind of answer that question. Can these bones live? What is your situation right now? What in your life looks dead and seems hopeless? Because probably for many of us, there's one area, there's something in our life, and we were to look at it, and we were to analyze it, and we were to think about it. It's that area that we've just kind of learned to let lie like it is, that we don't really do anything to, to change it, because in our mind, it's dead, it's gone, there's not much to it, and so we just kind of let it lie. But I want you to think about that right now. What is that thing in your life? What are those areas in your life? And in those areas, are you looking for that to become alive? Or are you looking just to get by? Do you keep just applying more duct tape to the situations to hold the bones of that thing together 
when you instead of saying, you know, what is there a way to truly bring it to life? Can these bones live? I love Ezekiel's answer to that question. <clears throat> he didn't answer it himself. He said, Lord, only you know. That's a great response. I mean, if, if it was a game show that had been the ding, 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 and you win, that's the right answer. And we all need to get that place that, that we need his answers, not him answering us. I know that so many times our prayer list is, Lord, you know, I describe it like this, almost like we're crawling up in Santa's lap. Lord, I want a new pony. I want, I want a new car. You know, and it's okay to ask for God to bless in those areas. I'm not saying that, but you know, when that's the, the total essence of your time with God, you're missing something. Our time with God, our prayer time should be saying, Lord, what is your answer? Because his answer is going to be the best every single time. Let's look at Ezekiel. Let's catch up with Ezekiel. Ezekiel 37.4 where we left off last week. The Lord's answer to that question was this. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. There is something about when we look at the dead things in our lives and instead of just, I don't know what I'm going to do. God, this is how I want you to fix this. We need to look at the situation and say, Lord, you see this thing that is dead in my life. So dead thing, bones, hear the word of the Lord. There is power in the word of the Lord. You see, we, we, we need to do that. You know, we need to prophesy. We need to declare. We need to apply the word of God to the dead bone things in our lives. So many times we just settle for limping through life with duct tape joints. Right? I saw somebody one time that kind of sprained a knee and literally had outside their, their jeans was wrapped in duct tape. But when we live our life like that, that's not life. That's just trying to hold your dead stuff together long enough to make it through. And I believe that God wants so much more for us than just making it through. I believe we'd be surprised at how often we as people, all of us, settle for something when we, when we would be much better off for us to go ahead and try. We think that somehow we can do some kind of self-application. There's something we can do to fix it on our own. Too many times there are too many of us that, and I know I'm a, I'm a problem solver too. And somebody begins to tell me something, I'm like, okay, how can we solve this problem? And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but too many times, what do we do? We look at a situation, we look at a circumstance in our life, and we think, how can I fix it? It should be more, how can we fix it? Because you're going to come out much better every time. Self-application isn't the answer, but taking the Word of God and applying it to our situation is the answer. So I want you to think about this thought. Stop sitting among the dead things. Be resuscitated by the breath of life.
We're going to talk about the breath. But how many know that sometimes we can just sit among the dead things? We just don't know what's going on. So what do we do? It's like, well, I guess I'll just sit here and mull over the dead bones. <laughs> Ever been caught in that situation where there's something going on and you just, instead of getting above it, you just kind of get down in it and you just sit there and you look at the hopelessness and your, your, your outlook just sinks deeper and deeper and deeper? God wants so much more for you that I would just jump back up there, but, you know. <laughs> There's a slight chance I would miss. <laughs> but I want us to think about this. John six sixty three. Jesus made this statement. And to me, it so lines up with what God spoke to Ezekiel. He said this. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Wow. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So why would we not look at our dead situation and take the words of spirit, the words of life, the words of God, and begin to prophesy and speak those over our dead situation? It just makes sense. But so many times we do, we want to run to the flesh for help. We run across a situation, and many times, if we're honest, instead of getting it right and instead of approaching God instead of applying his word we want to run and find five or six friends and ask them what their solution is to the issue can I tell you Facebook is probably not the best place to get the answers to life circumstances so what, so what can we pull out of this next part in the vision that God gave Ezekiel that can be applied to us because his word and his spirit is what brings life. If our, you know, word, God's word is true. That, to me, that's not debatable. So if Jesus himself says the flesh is no help at all, you can take that to the bank. So the first thing that jumps out to me that Ezekiel did was he did what was directed. He, he followed God's instructions. How many know when you go to the store... And the doctor writes you that prescription, and you pick it up, and you look at the bottom. What does it say on it? Take only as directed. And we're, we're you know, most of us, now occasionally some people think, hey, if a little bit of medicine does, medicine does a little bit of good, I'm a, a whole lot will be better. No, that's not always the case with medicine, right? But for the most part, probably most of us are pretty good at following that when it comes to medication. But that is one of the only ways in our lives that we really proceed as directed. I'm bad about that. When I buy something new that says some assembly required, I'm notorious about pulling over. I'm a smart guy. I can figure this out. Especially when you look at the instruction manual and you can tell that whoever wrote the instruction manual, English was a second or third or fourth language. <laughs> and you're trying to assemble it, but have you ever had one of those things, you're like, this doesn't look too difficult, I can figure it out, and you go to put it together and it all comes together and you're, you're happy about how smart you're over and you look over and there's two or three little parts that somehow didn't end up, end up where they were supposed to go. And then when you finally go back and look at the directions, you're like, oh man, I have to disassemble half of it to put these where they're supposed to go. 
But we do that stuff in life. There is, but there's something about following directions, doing things as directed. How many would have met you've ever been caught by doing something not as directed and realized that, hey, you know what? They knew what they were talking about in the first place. Let's look at verse 7. What does Ezekiel do? He did exactly as directed. He says, so I prophesied as I was commanded or as I was directed. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. You know, when I read that, I'm sorry. I can't help but think, you know, the toe bone's connected to the foot bone. The foot bone's connected to the ankle bone. The ankle bone's connected to the shim. We could go on and on, right? But it began to happen. I mean, as he began, think about this, as he began to speak the word of God, oh, the, God gave him the word, and as he began to speak them over his dead situation, suddenly things began to move. Something began to happen. What looked like a lost cause began to come back together, began to fit back together, began to come into alignment, begin to join with one another. You know, there is just something about when we begin to pray or prophesy, and, and we think of the word prophesy, is being this, this out there thing. And yes, there is prophecy where somebody declares things that, that come to come and all that stuff, but that's not all prophecy means. Prophecy, another part of the definition of prophecy is simply to declare what God has spoken. And so by me standing here and giving you the word today that God has given me for this morning, in a sense, I am prophesying. I'm declaring the word of God. And I think it's time, if you remember, Paul made this statement that he wished that everybody in the church would prophesy. You guys know we believe in the gifts of the Spirit in operation, but Paul made the statement that those things are great. I'm telling you not to forbid those things, but I'm telling you, I wish that you all would prophesy. I think it's time as the church we get back to taking God's word from heaven and speaking it and prophesying it over our situation. To stand up and to be what we're supposed to be. How many times do we look over a situation and we know the command of God? But we look at the vastness of the death. We look at the difficulty, the impossible situation that looks like it is. We, we know God's word, but we just we know that we're supposed to speak of that situation, but we just shrug it off because we can't bring ourselves to it. We can't see how in the world it would ever come back together. Now I realize this is a vision. But you can imagine what Ezekiel was seeing. For him, it was very real. And there's this valley full of dead bones. There's dead stuff everywhere. I mean, we're talking dry, decayed, broken into pieces. It says they were scattered everywhere, so it wasn't like full skeletons laying there. And it looked like a situation. There is no way in the natural that was going to begin to happen. But as he began to speak, as the Lord directed, all of a sudden there began to be a sound of movement. There began to be the, the, the sound and the visual cue of things coming back together. And you know what? Sometimes 
when we begin to speak over situations and dead circumstances in our life, maybe you, maybe you feel like that you have a marriage that is almost dead or you feel like your finances are almost dead. We could take this and apply this to so many areas in our lives. Sometimes as we begin to speak and begin to declare the word of God over those circumstances, all it takes is just a little noise. All it takes is just a little things beginning to, to assemble back together. And all of a sudden we begin to realize that, hey, there is something to this. His word is alive. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Not only can it divide things, apparently it can bring things back together too. And when we begin to see that movement, it stirs our faith. And all of a sudden, maybe what started out as a little bit of a wimpy declaring of God's word over your circumstance becomes a little stronger, a little more forceful, a little more bold because faith begins to rise. It's like, hey, I'm starting to see some things change. And it gives you the courage to stand up and begin to speak more boldly, begin to declare some things. And I think it's high time as believers we get back to doing some of that because they begin to come into alignment these bones, what does it represent? The, <clears throat> scripture tells us that it represented the state of the nation of Israel. I understand that. But you ever stop to think that each set of those scattered bones, while it may have represented a nation, nations are made up of individual people. And each set of those bones was a single person with a single story in a single way that they got where they were. And I think we better get back to speaking life into those circumstances. Can you dream with me for just a moment? What if we spent less time arguing over dead stuff through things like social media I mean, we're not going to fix this nation and this world with our Facebook or Twitter or Instagram account. You know, I know, I, I'm guilty of it too. Sometimes I'm like, somebody says something like, oh, I can't let that go. I always wish I hadn't said something when I say something usually because usually it just turns into this thing. It's like, you know what, I'm not going to win anything. But dream with me for what instead of us arguing dead stuff? What if we begin to prophesy over the dead bones of our nation? What if we begin to speak and pray instead of arguing? We just begin to pray and speak life to the circumstances around us. What if we actually follow God's directions? What if we did as directed? By speaking into the hopeless situation, speaking as the Lord directed. How many think that that could actually make change? It may seem impossible, but it works. Matter of fact, Second Chronicles 7.14, this is not something new to Scripture. What did he say? If my people, that would be us, hopefully, who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal the nation. 
See, we have this pattern. We have this thing in Scripture. And we need to get back to being a people that begins to speak things, begins to prophesy things, begins to spend time in prayer over things. We can be as distressed as we want. We can argue all we want. But the best thing we can do is begin to pray over the circumstance and begin to declare things. So what if... What if you begin to pray? Lord, I speak life change. Lord, I speak rearrangement of the dead things in my life. Lord, I speak alignment where I'm off course in my life. Lord, I speak your purpose over my life. Lord, I speak your direction and your salvation over the people that I love, over my family, over those that I know that have, that have gone astray, over my neighborhood, over those I work with, over our nation. What if we begin, what if we begin to declare prophetically some things out loud? <clears throat> Ezekiel, Ezekiel spoke and the bones begin to move. Sometimes, I, you know, what if we actually dared to declare and to pray these things with a little bit of a sense of urgency? There is probably not a person in this room that isn't distressed by the things we see on the news every day. But my question is this, how much time have you spent praying about it? How much time have you spent declaring God's word over those circumstances? How much time have you spent calling for a true revival? Because the only thing that's going to change this thing is a genuine move of God just sweeping this nation. But just like the valley of dead bones was a large group made up by individuals, change to anything is only going to come as individuals begin to change. I love when somebody freshly gives their life to Christ. I was talking to Don the other day at breakfast. I'm going to pick on him just a little bit. Not in a bad way. It's going to be good. But we were talking because, I mean, this is fresh. I mean, just a couple weeks ago, he gave his life to Christ. And it was exciting. And then, and then the following week, that Sunday night... Robin gave her life to Christ, and it's just so neat talking to people. This is fresh and new and alive. But I remember at the men's breakfast we had, he's sitting across the table from me, and he makes this statement. He said, man, he said, I must have told the story to 50 people I know what happened to me. One changed life can change many. I hear people sometimes say, God doesn't move in the church like he used to. Well, are you praying and declaring his word like those that came before you? God hasn't ceased his desire to move. We just backed away from our true desire for it to happen. Prophecy Prophesy life over your spiritual walk. Prophesy life over your church family and over our community. Declare God's vision. Declare God's vision, not our personal taste. 
Yeah, sometimes one of my pet peeves, I have several of them, is when somebody, there's nothing scriptural to back it up, but when somebody, because of their own way of thinking, doesn't like something, but they're convinced that the way they like things is God's way. And there are certain things that are. I mean, there are things that are defined in Scripture, but come on. And so many times what we do, we want, we want, we want God to move, but we want, him to, we want him to move like we want him to move. It's supposed to look like we want it to look. How about we just begin to declare God's vision of our circumstances and it be truly his vision, not our vision of what we'd like to see? We begin to declare, Lord, let your true vision become my vision. Lord, where I'm wrong, begin to open my eyes. Change me. Because the truth is, we all have dead areas in our lives, things that we ignore, how dead they truly are. Matter of fact, sometimes we have our dead situations, and if we can look around and we find a, a neighbor that their situation is just a little more dead than ours, hey, ours is alive. Here's the measure, not what your neighbor has. Moving on. There needs to be a divine restoration. There needs to be a resuscitation of the dead. Can you imagine? I know a group of our guys in the church got together yesterday and they did a little CPR and first aid training. And <clears throat> we're looking at the idea, we're getting pricing of, of just having one of the mobile defibrillators on hand just in case something were to happen. And I begin to think about that in the context of of this message, and I thought, you know, can you imagine situation happens where, I mean, a person's heart's just not beating, and it needs to be restarted, and somebody yells, somebody else, man, quick, we got to do something, we got to get this person, go get the, go get the equipment, go get what we need to fix this, and somebody runs off to the closet, and they grab the first aid kit, and they come back with a band-aid when they need a defibrillator. We're guilty too many times of wanting to put duct tape or band-aids on something when something literally needs to be resuscitated. It needs to be brought back to life. We need Jesus to come and pound on our chest a little bit and say, hey, is there a heart in there? We need Jesus to come back on the scene. We need the Holy Spirit to come in. And, and for some of us, and I'm, I'm trying not to step on toes today because that's not my purpose. I want you to understand my heart. But for some of us, we need Jesus to come back and say, okay, everybody back off. Clear. <laughs> and get our heart started back up. To truly get our heart back in this thing. We need a little Holy Spirit defibrillation. <laughs> Don't try to say that too fast. We need Jesus to come breathe the breath of life into our lungs. 
this point, if you think about it, Ezekiel had talked to the bones. And they begin to align, and things begin to happen. But if you think about it, all he had at this point was some nicely arranged bones. All it talks about muscle and bone and sinews and all this stuff. So basically, he, you know, what used to be a valley of dry bones is now a, a valley of whole, complete bodies, but they're all still corpses. They're just laying there. They look good. They're all together. Much better than it was. But it's not alive. Let's look at verse 9 and 10. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath of life came into them. And they lived and stood on their feet. An exceedingly great army. See what can happen when you stop sitting among the dead things. And you allow the resuscitation of the breath of life to enter into your circumstance. The same God that breathed life into dust and formed man can do the same to any dead situation. There is no situation you're in or you will face where it is truly hopeless. So I thought about that. I begin to think about John 9, 6. Jesus had come across a, a man that it says had been blind from birth. And right on the heels of him having made the statement, I am the light of the world. Here he is standing by a man that has never seen light in his whole entire life. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And it says this in verse 6, John 9, 6. Having said these things, he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. Boy, for all you germaphobes. (laughs) But think about this. A little dust, a little spit, and a command from the Savior, and behold, brand new eyes. I mean, we, sometimes we think things are dead and they're so hopeless and they're so far gone, but all he's got to do is speak the word and all we have to do is obey the word. All we have to do is declare what he has follow as directed and he can speak life in any circumstance. But we see this example all the way through the Old Testament into the New Testament and, and God's nature doesn't change. And I'm here to declare he still does these things today. So breath and wind. Talks about the breath and wind. Breath and wind are a type of the Holy Spirit. Jesus may not have been physically there, but we know that he said, it is good for you that I go away because when I go away, I'm going to send a comforter, the Holy Spirit. And I begin to think about that whole idea of breath. And I want you to grasp this for just a moment. And then we're going to 
move on here, but I want you to get this picture. Jesus himself spoke to his disciples before he left, knowing that he was the cross was just on the horizon and, and his death and resurrection and all those things were coming. But he looked at his disciples and it says he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. It wasn't long after that, after Jesus had ascended, that they were gathered together in the upper room. And it said there was a sound like a mighty rushing wind that began to fill that place. And that was the birth. That's when life was breathed in to the New Testament church by the Holy Spirit. So this thing that Ezekiel's talking about, it's not, it's not something... New, it's not something foreign, it's this idea, because when it talks about breath, when it talks about the wind, it is talking about life, it's talking about the, the, the Holy Spirit breathing life into a circumstance. And when, this, when he said this, the, the great thing is that, that he, Ezekiel prophesied these things, he spoke what God said, and the wind came, and literally life was breathed, <clears throat> excuse me, life was breathed into these dead corpses. And it says they stood up and became in an, in an exceedingly great army. When was the last time the church was looked at as an exceedingly great army? I think it's because we've lost the idea of what it means to to speak life. We've lost the idea of what it means to prophesy and to declare the breath of God over circumstances. Life. We need to pray, God, breathe new life into my circumstance. Breathe new life into your people. Lord, breathe your word deep into my spirit. How many know that it's one thing to know something as something else to know the word of God, and it's in here, and it's deep, and it's a part of you? Because once it gets in that way, once we breathe those things in and we get it into our spirit, then we can breathe out God's life-giving words to those around us. But we can't breathe out what we don't breathe in. May we come alive. May we be the army of the Lord. We were meant to be a world-changing army. Did you know that? It's what Scripture declares. But too often we dress the part and we say the right words. But the breath of the Spirit isn't really in what we're doing. We're really nice-looking, dressed-up mannequins. Somewhere along the line, there's no go into the, all the world in us. I know I'm getting pretty deep this morning, but I want us to get a, a little jolt of reality of where we're at. Last this morning, then we're going to pray. <clears throat> what happened? They became aligned, empowered, and alive. What if the church was to become aligned, empowered, and alive? What if we as individuals were to become aligned, empowered, and alive by the breath of the Spirit?
Look at verse 11. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. In other words, they're saying it's dead. It's a lost cause. There's no hope. But the first step to becoming realigned and empowered and alive is admitting that you're dry and you're hopeless and you're cut off. Because as long as you think you're alive, as long as you think you've got it together, you're not going to deal with the situation. Let me say this. You can be saved and still be dry as a bone. When you're dry, everything looks and feels hopeless. And it's usually not that God has cut us off. It's that we've cut him off from us by things we do. But when we put ourselves back in right alignment, his breath of life can be breathed in and we can become alive again. We can become way more than just functional. How about you? I don't want to be just functional. I don't want to just limp through life. I want to be alive. And we can become the army we're intended to be. We can and will do this because this is his nature. But enough of Israel talking about how bad they have it. Let's look at what God himself said in verse 14. And I will put my spirit within you. And within you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. See, we need the breath of the Spirit to be alive in our lives. He promised to move in this land. He promised them that he would take them out of captivity and move them back to the promised land. I've said this before. There is no doubt in my mind that this nation we live in is is a land that there's just too many miracles that took place for this to become a nation. God has had his hand on it, and somewhere along the line, we've ceased to be the promised land we're supposed to be. And we're headed headlong towards captivity. It's time we begin to declare some things. And let him get us out of captivity back to what we're supposed to be. Because let me say this. Jesus backs up his word. We need the breath of the life back in us. He declared it and he will do it. It's time we stop sitting among the dead things and we allow him to resuscitate us with the breath of life. This morning, normally we call for a little music. And I know some of you may not feel like you can pray without music in the background, but trust me, you can. We're not going to do it each as you walked in for each of you. We're not going to do it all this morning, but there's a little prayer guide on your seat.
And there's nothing wrong with a guide. There's nothing wrong with a little help. You'll notice I put on there, it says, example, pray. We're not asking you to pray some liturgical prayer or, or just repeat after me kind of thing. But how do we know when Jesus was asked by the disciples, Lord, teach us how to pray, that he gave them an example prayer? And I believe that there is something about when we all pray the same direction. And I feel like it would be really weird to sit here and say, we all need to prophesy, we all need to speak over the dead things in life, we all need to do this, and then not give you anything to do that with. So I challenge you, take this with you. Begin to pray through this thing on your own life and see if you don't begin to see a little bit of movement of the bones and things starting to come together as we do this. And because we have a world that needs to be, we need to be an army. But this morning, I want us to pray as a body. Not this part, but I, I'm going to ask you, and I know this is bold, and, and it, it really sets things up where it could be an awkward moment. No music, but I would ask this morning who would stand up and just fill in this front and let's begin to declare, let's begin to prophesy, let's begin to speak over some things. If that's you and you're willing to be bold enough to that, maybe you've never done anything like that before, but I challenge you, come down front right now, right now. This may be different for you, but I believe that there is a power. You don't have to be a member. If you're a believer in Christ, this invitation is for you. We're not going to get goofy. We're not going to out of bounds. We're just going to put to practice exactly what I talked about. And we're going to do it as, as just, you know, the, you know what the music's going to be for the altar call? It's going to be the sound of us calling upon the name of the Lord. Can you imagine just the choir of voices? And so I'm just going to give you a little instruction. And we're going to pray. We're going to go to town praying over these things. And then I'm going to call out the next thing we're going to begin to pray for and declare. And we're going to do it. And I'm, I, I, you know what? I'm bold enough to believe that as we do this, we're going to begin to see God move. We're going to begin to see some bones begin to come together. <clears throat> the first thing I want us to do, I want you to declare, declare a new level of spiritual insight over your own life. All right? So just right now, begin to declare that. Begin to call out. Begin to prophesy. Lord, we come before you today. Lord, I declare, Lord, a new level of spiritual insight over each and every one of us, over myself. Lord, I ask you to take me to the next level. Lord, I ask you to do that work, Lord, to restore, to rebuild. Lord, bring the dead things to life. Lord, let there be new spiritual insight. Lord, I pray for the people of this church that there be a renewed insight of your spirit, Lord God, in this place 
place that we begin to call out to you, we begin to follow you, and we begin to do those things, Lord. Bring us all to that next level. Lord, begin to create some things in us in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now begin to pray for deeper unity in the spirit in this church body. I mean, we're supposed to be an exceedingly powerful army, and that means that we're unified. That means we're marching together. So, Lord, we reach before you, Lord, today. We declare a new level of unity in the spirit among us as believers that will be of one heart and one accord and one mind. Those are the circumstances we see when the wind of your spirit begin to blow on the early church. Lord, we ask you to bring us to that place, Lord, to that new unity of the Spirit, Lord, within us as individuals and with us in this body. And, Lord, we ask you to do these things, Lord. We yield ourselves to you like we sing this morning, Lord, that you would do that work in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I want us to declare, I want us to call out, I want us to prophesy that there will be a life-giving revival that will bring in a new harvest. Let's begin to do that. Father, we come before you today. Lord, we, we prophesy. Lord, we speak that there is, Lord, a life-giving revival, Lord, that you want to do. Lord, there's no doubt that you desire to do this. There's no doubt, Lord, that you desire to make new souls coming into your kingdom become a daily weekly, momentary, that, that every time we meet, that somebody new is coming to know you. Every time we meet, somebody's life is transformed. Lord, we know that is your desire. And so, Lord, we speak that revival over. We declare, Lord God, that revival to begin to take place. Lord, we speak out your word. We know that is your desire, Lord, that if we lift you up, that you will draw people to you, and those things will happen. And, Lord, we declare that. Lord, we speak that new harvest, Lord, to become a reality, not something afar off, not something in a distance but something we believe and declare in Jesus' name. And here's the last thing I want us to pray. It will pray that now is the time, not just waiting on someday. How many many know that so many times we say, yeah, I want revival. Yeah, I want God to do this. Someday. Let's quit looking to someday. Let's declare now is the time. Today is the day. Father, we come before you today. Lord, we know what you desire to do. And so, Lord, we begin to speak. We begin to prophesy. We begin to take your word and the things that we know that you've said. Lord, you said that you, that you desire for all men to come to you. And so, Lord, today we begin to declare that. Lord, we know your desire. We see the circumstance. Lord, in place of just standing here, in place of saying, Lord, someday we're looking for revival. Lord, we declare that today is the day. We declare that now is the time. And we ask you to begin to realign us, Lord, begin to empower us, begin to bring us to life as individuals and let us be what we're supposed to be, that you begin to do that, Lord, that your spirit will come. Lord, we're believing for revival. We're believing for life transformation. Lord, we speak, Lord, I speak right now to the dead things in each and every person's life that is here, Lord God, that today is the day, Lord, that you begin to move and change and mend circumstances in their life and they will see the victory in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. And Lord, we just speak life over every person here. We speak life over every circumstance. And Lord, we trust you and we yield to you. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
God bless you and thank you for being here today.